0: Alrighty, hello and welcome to the Creedcast. Thanks for listening. As always, this is David, as per usual, on the shittest Port Adelaide podcast on the internet. Uh, apologies for being MIA for the last week or so. I haven't done it. This is the first episode since I reviewed our um, AFLW match in round two against the Western Bulldogs. Uh, I've, yeah, just as this year has been, as the regular listeners know. Um, I... Re- I continually lament the amount of time I have uh, to be able to do this properly, and um, while my efforts when I actually do it are questionable, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I just haven't had the time to uh, be able to sit down. I haven't even uh, been able to watch the Carlton game fully yet, um, and just haven't had time. Um, so, uh, but I did see bits of it. I was I was working during the game, so I just watched it uh, while working, so I wasn't fully invested into it. But um, yeah, no, really good to see. Um, so continued development again, this year is, um, an interesting year with the short preseason and all that stuff with the the team and just getting some gelling, but, um, we can see some great signs, um, in that game. And, um, as I keep preaching this year being the first first season and all that stuff, it's all about the firsts and, um, yeah, first points, it wasn't a win, but it was a draw. And, uh, I, I keep meaning to tweet at the Sir Swamp Thing, um, Twitter account this week and just ask, um you know, the, the record of any team, um, in, you know, whether it be, you know, the highest level of footy in Australia or even, you know, semi-professional levels. Um, what team, is there any record of a team that had their first points in, um, footy, uh, be a draw? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a, that's a definitely a first, uh, our first points, but I think is a, is a, um, a unique record there as well. No, we pre- would have preferred the win, but, um, you know, just uh, the interest of history, it's an interesting one that our first points were a draw because you know draws in AFL footy are um, pretty rare. Um, you know, just based on the scoring of the sport, and um, you know, despite the fact that we don't do overtime or anything like that in regular season, it's still a bit in, in, you know, very much a rarity. Um, just it's just a random nature of the scoring, really. Um, you know, you can look at you know yeah, look at even the NFL because they do overtime, but. Because the scoring is pretty standard, though, since they've changed the extra point kicking the last few years. It's gotten a little bit more chaotic. You're still very much, you know, you get you can get uh, plenty of overtime games in NFL, but, you know, draws in NFL are just so rare. Um, so, yeah, that's no, an interesting thing that our p- first points on the board uh, in our history as an AFLW team are a draw. But, um, yeah, so conti- uh, um, this podcast is going to be a little bit of a licorice all sorts or a licorice all ports, Um uh, <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, just talk briefly about the Carlton game, and then um, just a brief preview of tomorrow's game um, at Alberton Oval, Oval again against the Sydney Swans. Um, Port. Uh, we're still looking for our first win, so hoping for another first tomorrow. Um, we're heading down for the game. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, so yeah, um, and as well as I'll just um, at the end of it as well, I'll just talk about a little bit brief, you know, you know, news and and well, mostly um, mostly rumors, but some news as well um, with the Port Adelaide men's side as we um, get into the off season. Um, at the moment, so, you know, rumours of player movements and um, certainly players have de- declared their intentions to come to Port Adelaide if they can, uh, if teams can facilitate trades and all that stuff. So plenty happening at the moment um, in both uh, both, both in the AFL men's and the AFL women's for different reasons. So, um, yeah, a lot to talk about. Um, but, um, so just going to try and do in half an hour or so here. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming along for the journey. And uh will take a quick break and we'll get into just talking about the women's uh, women's first. So yes, the ladies went down to uh, Melbourne last weekend at Icon Park with Carlton against Carlton and uh, came out with a draw, 27-4-3 uh, uh, apiece. Um, it, 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 you know, when you look at the way the score ha- scoring happened incredibly, uh, I guess you could say it's frustrating in many senses, but it's also, um, if you look at the positive glass half full side, you can see the strength of the side in, in a quarter of footy and and overall throughout the game as well, they uh, had more inside 50s and, and whatnot as well, so... Um, but yeah, it was um a game that uh saw us uh score four goals in one quarter and spend the other three quarters scoreless as far as goals and goals kick um are concerned. Um but great fight back to go two goals, you know, into the first first break, two goals down, come back and roar into the game and end up with a two goal lead. Um, you know, four uh, and have four goals up at the half time, but then just not do too much scoring after that and um end up scrapping for a draw. Um and she's an incredible result. Shows some fight, and the the they're very much the, the staples of the Lauren L team so far. Is fight, hunger, um, desperation for the footy, and um, and really making it tough on the opposition. I think there's no opposition that's played us yet that would say it hasn't been any that it's been an easy time against Port Adelaide. Um, but yeah, it's also just highlighting again the um, the the consistency issues that are that that are understandable, obviously, with the the short preseason and all that stuff. But um, some of those things that have been um, highlighted uh, were, again, seen here as well. Um, again, the team stats don't show a complete... So I've just gone through and tried to do some count, like, quick statistical stuff. But, again, we're outmarked in the game, and I was, it was a lot closer. I think it was 40 to 34, I think, if my counting's correct. It could be incorrect because I was just counting based on individual player stats, and it was a pretty quick count, but... Um, yeah, we, we were out marked and we're out and the hit outs, again, were um, not as wide a gap as it was in the, the what Western Bulldogs admittedly did, um, you know, tower over us and really dominate us in the, in the key statistics when it comes to your ability to um, utilize height in, in a footy game. Um, it was a bit closer against Carlton, but they still beat us in the hitouts, and they beat us in the overall marks across the game, um, as well as in, in marks inside 50 was seven to five uh, Carlton's way. Uh, even though the overall inside 50s, we actually won the inside 50s, 33 to 24, um, pretty even in the clearances. Um, they were slightly up in overall disposals, but still pretty even across the game. Um, tackles, we we were, we dominated the tackles, even in contested possession. So, all those hallmarks that I keep talking about, that are good signs for the 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 genesis of a side that has a hunger and and, uh, and a real team unity as well as how they go about their footy, but it's just some of those key, you know, those those things that actually, like, that they can really turn a game, such as, you know, utilizing height hit outs and marks and, and stuff like that, um, you know, if the game's going against us a little bit, we just can't quite battle over that line. Um, but to be able to have a, a quarter where we kick four goals in a quarter um, is a really good sign. It's just we want to find that consistency again. But like I said, that's going to be something that comes with um, just the, just the, um, you know, regularity of footy. And that's just something we haven't had. Obviously, again, the shortened preseason. How many times have I said that this, this episode? I don't know. Um, anyway, the klaxon for that. Um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things that we're just going to be battling this year. Um, you know, we're kind of getting the, you know, the, the, uh, a trial by fire kind of thing, um, with just having to learn our trade as a footy club, um, in, in the competition without even having a proper se- preseason and all that stuff. And that's just, that's just part of it, but there's just some really good signs coming out of it. Um, I really just want to highlight, uh, the, um, the impact of, um, I know I said it, well, like leading into the season, I was really like, yeah, just watch Hannah Ewing. She's going to be a fucking star. And, um, you know, she's really, really proving that. Um, she was best on for me for the for the poor girls and obviously she's got the rising star nomination 21 dispos- disposals just all over the place you know and I know that her first game was a little bit um you know a few kicks missed here and there, but overall um, she showed those signs and and since then she's just building at an exponential rate and you're seeing a lot of these girls as well. Um, like Dowrick again, had a great game, Maria Maloney, um, you know, Darnley. a few of these ones have come in as, as like some pretty good recruits, but then like Dowrick and Ewing's are two that um, hadn't touched the AFLW field until, um, you know, this week and, you know, Demello with a couple of popping up with a couple of goals and we're, we're dealing with the loss of Gemma Houghton, obviously, um, to that, um, syndesmosis injury. which is really tragic for her. I'm not, uh, we're coming into indigenous around this week and she would have loved to have been out there in that wonderful Guernsey. We'll get to that, um, in a, in a moment. but um, you know, this team's already dealing with adversity with such a, you know, a key cog, such as Houghton early um, out with our first, Essentially, you know, if, unless we make finals, it's a, it's a almost a season ender with a six- to seven-week prognosis. Um, but, you know, hopefully she can come back sooner and, and have an impact, and, you know, hopefully we can find a way into finals. Uh, but, uh, yeah, overall, it's just that, you know, a lot of these young ones that are coming in and having to find their feet quickly um that don't have any FLW experience as well as the ones that are just um still you know early into their AFLW career um it's really wonderful to see just the the, the genesis of this side. Cause i know a lot of us coming into this season if we weren't AFLW watchers heavy watchers before beyond the big names it was it was kind of you know going into the going to the fog um as far as who and we're really finding um some incredible incredible players and um it's really fun to see so um, yeah, and Ewing's got the rising star nod. I can't remember if I mentioned that a minute ago or not. Um I've made a busy work day and I've had a couple of froffies since I got home, played some cards with the fam, so um apologies if I wander a little bit here. But um yeah, it's um yeah, Ewings is gonna be a fucking star and um really happy to see her get the rising star nod so early. um she's like I said, she's her game has gone up levels within the first three weeks and it's just really it's really awe-inspiring to see when she's already at this level is just how far she can go because she's still so young in her career, as well, both as a human growing um, physically as well as just a, the youth of her career. So, um, bloody, bloody excited for her. And, you know, you, you can just see um, this team starting to find some identity beyond, you know, th- there's an identity building in the team beyond, you know, because the, the start of our AFLW kind of story is obviously a lot, justifiably centred around the Phillips story. You know, she's a champion of this game and a champion of Australian sports in general. Um, and, uh, you know, so much of the story and the hype was built around that and, and, and stuff like that. But we're still starting to see now that we're playing on the field just all these, these um, just more stars um, getting their chance and, uh, and there's some love and adoration for the crowd. Now that we get to see them on the field, uh, we're discovering new heroes every day. And um, Henry Ewings is certainly going to be a star Um, for this club for a long time um, the way she's going because she is she's a special talent and um, really deserving of that Rising Star nomination and if she keeps going the way she's going this year she's um you know Dowrick's obviously got a nomination already and um, is still going just great guns but if Ewing keeps going the pace that she's going she's just got that um and this is no um disrespect to Dowrick; it's just a it's a game style thing it's unfortunate the thing of um the footy is, I just think Ewing's, she has that special something in the sense of, um, how her game looks. It's a, it's something silky about it, but Derek, I think it, it's going to be interesting. I would love to see Ewing's and Derek both up there for the rising star, like at the end of the year, the voting, it would be interesting to see, um, if they're both right up there and it'd be a testament to our, 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 recruiting as well. Um, both, you know, Ewing's from the draft and Derek outside of it, um, as just one of those ones that just slip through the cracks for the other teams. Um, yeah, it'd be really um, just a, a testament to the recruiting as well as um, just the, the the development of some young players that have been brought in, and um, you know, kind of a, a you know, a f- you know, finger up at all the people that were saying, oh, the, the league's expanded too quick. You know, the talent's out there, and the talent will continue to be out there and grow as you as the as the the sport as develops as well. So, um, really fun to see. But um, yeah, a draw, you know, a draw for our first points is like I said, a little bit of history in, in of itself. Um, not what we wanted, but, um, you know, a step in the right direction once again. So, um, yeah, we'll get into quickly having a look at what's going to be happening tomorrow at Albert and with our, our Port Adelaide girls taking on the Sydney Swans another newcomer to the competition. All right. So Sydney, uh, coming to Adelaide, uh, to Albert and Noble, uh, God's country to play, um, our, our girls tomorrow, um, 1240 Albert and Standard Time. First bounce, uh, it's going to be a wonderful occasion. And once again, our second game, um, our second AFL game at Albert and Oval, uh, obviously hoping for another first, our first win. And um, I think we're a pretty good chance for it. Um, Sydney, unfortunately, well, Sydney, obviously being a newcomer to the competition as well, they're dealing with similar things that we are. They're shortened preseason. pre-season. They're, they're trying to find the gelling and the kind of baptism of fire thing that we're dealing with as well as just having to find our... our, our, our um, our identity and our ability to link up and be cohesive on the footy field during, an, uh, during a season rather than having an extensive preseason to really figure it out as well as pre- an extensive series of preseason games or anything like that. It's a baptism of fire. And Sydney have been finding it pretty rough as well. Four goal, four, almost five goal loss against St. Kilda in the first round. Almost a, a five goal loss against uh, Collingwood in the second round and a pretty handy um, seven goal loss against uh, GWS last week. Almost eight goal loss against GWS. So, Um, Yeah, they've had a pretty rough start, even rougher than ours by, you know, because we at least got a draw last week and a pretty close loss against West Coast in the first week. And obviously, while the Doggies dominated us at Albert in, in certain respects in week two, we also didn't make it tough. And, you know, we had every chance, you know, in the third quarter when we got Aaron Phillips lining up for a goal that could potentially tie the score. You know you're in a close game, even if you know the metrics are going against you a little bit as far as the overall game goes. Um, so yeah, we've probably performed better um, in the first three weeks as the new club as opposed to Sydney, but still that doesn't mean there's any reason to overlook what Sydney are doing tomorrow. We're in the same boat. Um, they're going to be hurt. They're, you know Sydney are going to be they've had some humbling weeks and they're going to be really looking for an opportunity and they might look at us as an opportunity as well. But we've got to look at it as an opportunity to come up against a club. That's in the same, has the same kind of preparation as us, as well as we're playing at home. We've had to, we've found some rhythm a little bit. We've got some good young stars playing. Um, tomorrow is an opportunity for us. Um, and we are understandably favored. So, um, that, that bodes well for us as well. Um, or it may not, um, you know, you don't want to be favored. So not, you know, it depends what superstitions you have really, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I think I think you know the, the result last week, and I think our girls will be um a little bit um you know they, they, that one was so close last week, and they really and they but with that under their belt, the fact they're back at home in front of the home crowd. They've kind of had they had that feeling before. They're going to want to get the chocolates. Um, it's going to be a rainy day, I think tomorrow. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays into it. But. Um, Otherwise, um, there's a couple of changes. We've got um, a couple of debutants once again for our, our team. We've got uh, Britt Perry's coming in. She's got an 18-game career under her belt already, I think. Um, she's uh, comes from the Gold Coast, first, so she's coming in for her first game. So she's got got a little bit of experience coming in, so that's good. Um, and Sarah Goodwin, who was our draft pick number seven, so she was our other draft pick in the top 10. Um, as, uh, you know, obviously Henny Ewing's who's been playing since round one, and obviously just talked about um, how incredible her career is going so far. But Sarah Goodwin's coming in. And that's a really good um she's um highly touted, you know, she was a really good um all Australian at the under eighteen level um last year and just comes in, you know, incredibly young and raw as well, but um with a good uh, wealth of experience of proper competition of of AfL at a young age as well. So another one that's coming in um that could really um, you know, kinda you know, hit the ground running and, and be another part of this really good youthful um, you know, explosion of youth that we have at uh, Port Adelaide um, Women's at the moment. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how she goes. Um, I'm really excited for her career. It's like her and Ewing's um, both, obviously being our top ten draft picks, um, we already had that little bit of um extra spice to their um, you know, their coverage as well. But um, I'm really ex- lo- looking forward to how Goodwin goes. Um, she looks like she's kind of got a ma- mature game to her from the little bits I've seen. Um, considering her age, obviously, and all that stuff, but she's just um, been 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 playing for a while, and and, and had kind of, um, you know, playing above her uh, above her age, I guess. So um, really looking forward to seeing how she goes, um, and obviously looking forward to seeing Yaz- Yazzie Dersma um, out there for the first time um, in person. Obviously, she was not playing in round two and had a debut last week away, so she's going to get um, get a first feel of um, the Aberdeen crowd as a player. Um, so really looking forward to seeing her. She goes, and I think she was quite impressive last week in her debut as well. She's, um, again, another one that's got, uh, uh, you know, just bursting for that opportunity really to play. And, um, she's, um, you know, she impressed me last week and I think she's gonna, she's gonna really, um, get the, get the, uh, gonna ex- enjoy the game tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see if, um, if Zave's around for it as well. It'd be cool to see if he's around, um, for it tomorrow. So, um, but yeah, um, I think this is a chance for us to actually kind of take some of the things we've been doing well in certain quarters and certain facets of our game and really put it together into a good game. And and hopefully, have, um, I'm not going to say we'll win comfortably. I think it's still going to be one of those games where we're just going to have a period of the game where we kind of lose our structure a little bit. And because we don't have the experience of working out how to get back to our structure, it's just those, it's all those things we're discovering about ourselves as a footy team still. So... Um, That's just going to be part of the game tomorrow. But I think, as overall, it's a game that we should be uh, we're favoured, understandably. And I think we should we need to embrace that favouritism in a game so early in our career, so early in our life as a as a footy club in the AFLW competition, and um, embrace that and go forward and 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 make that favouritism count. Um, So yeah, uh, the big I mean, one of the big things about this game, Darren Phillips' fiftieth game in the AFLW. it's incredible to think of Aaron Phillips as a 50-gamer, um, because you, you kind of, you, if you get, obviously, we're only in the seventh season now, so it just hasn't been, you know, 50 games is the is the big, is the the big benchmark right now that a few are hitting. Um, and obviously, she would have hit it sooner if she hadn't had a few injuries as well. Um, but, you know, because we, we know of her career so long as a, as a basketballer and all that stuff, and... Um, it's uh, it it almost feels weird to be just seeing her. You just think she should be playing like game one fifty, but you forget, you know, she's been playing, you know, obviously basketball and all that stuff beforehand. Um, but yeah, she's had an incredible career as, an, as just as an athlete. She's actually you've just got to recognize her as one of the all time athletes in world sports for what she's done. Um, you know she she's gone. She's played. Um, she played with the Adelaide Lightning. Um, early, 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 early doors. Um as you know right as a 17 year old through um and then she you know went over to the wnba won two nba or t- WNBA titles um indiana feet like started the connecticut sun um indiana fever was the first wnba title she was actually over in indiana um over the off season just a couple of months ago because they had their 10-year anniversary stuff going on um so just an incredible career olympic silver medal like just so much that she's got under her belt um you know, it's it's an incredible career as, a, as an athlete. And now she's here. And obviously she's had her um, career where she's basically been the benchmark player of the first five years of the AFLW. And, you know, so to do all that and then come in as a 32-year-old and, and become the best player in the first five years of the AFLW. Um, just an incredible career. And, and so to be to be celebrating game number 50 feels super weird because it feels like you're just celebrating... You know, fifty games doesn't sound like a lot because we're also accustomed to AFL um, achievements in the men's side of things as three hundred, two two fifty, two 200, 300, what what have you. But um, her career as a as an athlete and overall games and what she's done, international representation with Australian basketball, obviously WNBA titles, um, and now being the the benchmark of of the the professionalism as well as the talent of an AFLW player, incredible career. And to know that from her birth until now, it's been Port Adelaide blood that's been running through her veins. Because so it's not like she's just got, you know, we all know her family history. So, um, it makes you, I've always been proud of even, you know, begrudgingly went with her Adelaide career. But even before that, knowing of what she was doing. Because I've always known Erin Phillips. I remember watching her in the charity showdown, you know, 20 odd years ago. When She was a young buck, um. Wearing the lightning away Guernsey in that game, she just big smile on her face playing footy at that that age, and um and then obviously just knowing seeing what she was doing. Uh, you know, I was over in the US when she won the Indiana Fever won that one. I remember, but I remember not. Oh, you know, Aaron Phillips was playing um for them, so it's just an incredible, incredibly um proud thing to see her play her fiftieth game of AFLW um. At Port Adelaide, but um, acknowledging that uh, 50 games, while it sounds small, is just the, the longevity of a career across a wide swathe of sports and different expectations, whether it be WNBA or international basketball or even an issue played in Europe a little bit. And then coming back to this and being at the forefront of of a professional league starting is just an incredible thing. So I think it's, um you know, we we appreciate her, obviously. Um, as, as sport Adelaide fans, but it's, um incredible appreciation for what she's done um, and just and just a, a admiration for the athlete and the discipline it would have taken to to do so many of these things and and dive into so many different areas of professional sports. It's um a, a testament to her professionalism and and dedication and drive. Um, and that that continues to this very day. so congratulations to her. Um, I'll take a quick break and get into just t- briefly talking about the, um, the Indigenous Guernsey as well, and then I'll get into just some brief other news before we finish up. Alrighty, so we dropped our Indigenous Guernsey lot, like before the Carlton game, uh, but we're wearing it this week for Indigenous Round. It's An incredible Guernsey. I um, highly recommend you check it out if you haven't seen the picture. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you would have seen the pictures by now, so it's um, it, that's redundant. But um, yeah, one of my favourite um, Indigenous Guernseys of any that uh, the Port Adelaide Club have put out um. So I'm really looking forward to the wife. He's looking like she's going to pick one up down in Avon tomorrow morning. We're going to head down early again, like we did for the first game, and get into the store. And she's uh, very excited to pick one up. Um am very proud to be picking one up, and as an as a as a woman following AFLW and being able to pick up an Indigenous Guernsey for AFLW. It's so again, it's another first for her personally. Just um, obviously, she's a Port Adelaide men's fan as well, and we've got Guernseys and she's got Guernseys, but um. It's a proud moment and a first for her to be celebrating um, Indigenous women and FLW Indigenous Guernsey and just celebrating the culture there as well. Um, she's really excited for that. So and I, I am too to celebrate um, just this this the burgeoning club that we have, as well as that continued connection that Port Adelaide, the proud connection we have to um, um, continuing to um, you know m- learn and educate and about our Indigenous history and and and. and you know, inform others and and do do what we can for um, to continually make like um, you know just celebrate Indigenous culture and and everything we do for the um, Indigenous programs and all that stuff. Um, it's just really I love the connection and the, the the effort that the Port Adelaide Fruity Club does for this stuff. I think it's important. Obviously, the um, issues that we have in this country to this day with. Races and all that stuff, and and I just I, I'm always very proud of what what I what I do on that front. So, this Guernsey is another representation of that, um, designed by cultural performing artists and sisters Jakira and Tikana Telfa, um, the Indigenous Guernsey Kari uh, Kari Kara, um, which means emu in the sky. Um, it's a it's a really it's a beautiful Guernsey, um, and I recommend you go look at the the video and stuff that's been put out about it that really um, tells a story about the Guernsey. I'm not going to go into it too much myself like i feel um wrong telling it myself so um you know i, I highly recommend you search that stuff out but um some great shots of the guernsey of obviously um houghton and the uh the cockatoo Motlot twins um wearing it as well um and some just just a, a great guernsey and and something that uh like i said i just love the continued connection our club has to the the history and um and culture of indigenous peoples and what we do to try to further that um, understanding and connection with the with the country um, after, you know, obviously the history of this country, there needs to be a lot more um, understanding and, um, and and education. So um, I do, I'm absolutely 100% supportive of everything we do on that front and proud of it. Um, and, you know, going back to Phillips and her 50th game and what she said about it, um, she's super honored to be, you know, celebrating her 50th game, but um, she's, more honored to be doing so, wearing this guernsey, and she's wanting the focus to be on that. And I think that's a testament to her as a person and what she, what she, her connection to Port Adelaide and probably her, her, you know, growing up around the club. She's going to have that understanding because that club has always done a great job of that stuff. Um, but you know, it's a testament to her. And uh, but that's understandable. It's you know, fiftieth game is fiftieth game. Um, uh, this celebration of indigenous culture, indigenous culture, and all that stuff is really important. And um, I really proud that our captain of her club recognizes that um and it's, it's also it's something to it's kind of ironic it's, i want to celebrate her more for that but then it's also her meaning for it is that the indigenous guernsey should be celebrated more than her and like that's the that's the entire point so um but yeah it's a really it's a wonderful guernsey and worth celebrating with with um definitely for our first guernsey not that it's a, it's about you know scoring points or anything like that, or. But, you know, to drop our first Guernsey now would be such a fire Guernsey like this um, as our first one in the competition is um, a great thing and a continued another great step in our early journey as a club um, in the AFLW competition. So, yeah, it's another day. It's a day to celebrate tomorrow and I really recommend you get around it. Um, If you haven't got tickets yet, get down there. I don't think it's a sellout yet. Um, And it should be a sellout again. We should be just selling out every uh, women's game um, this year. Just to celebrate it. But um yeah, it's uh it's a great thing to celebrate and um yeah, really proud. I, I was I was going on a tangent then and I was just think I lost my lost my way, so whatever. Apologies. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, another first, uh first indigenous round um game at Albert and Noble and, and something to get around. So get around it. Um celebrate the the wonderful um culture of the, the um rightful custodians and First Nations people of 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 our country and um we owe them a great debt for um, the things that have happened here, and uh, but the, the the things going forward is um, cultural understanding, and this is what this this is what these rounds are all about. So, get around it. Um, anyway, we'll take a quick break here and just briefly touch on some of the news that's been surrounding the men's program in the off as the off season kicks into gear here for the men's stuff. All right, so boy oh boy, has it uh, it's been kicking off on the men's side of things. It's funny because it, it we're still in finals. Um, I think. Last I saw, I've started recording halfway through the Brisbane Geelong game, so I think Geelong were up for five goals at halftime. So anything that's happened since, I'm in the middle of recording as that game's going on. So, yeah. But we're in the middle of finals, and it's funny how the AFL has slowly crept into uh, getting more and more of this rumour. Rumor, I remember, you know, 15 years ago, as uh, 15, 20 years ago now, as a young Premier League fan, um, you know the transfer season, and all that stuff was wild to me because we just didn't do that in the AFL back then, really. Um, you know, players moved, but the you know free agency wasn't a thing. Trades and all that stuff was a you know you had to. You know, I remember the big one for me that I remember leaving as a as a player that we should like you know you thought just they'd just stay it was Nick Stevens in, at the end of two thousand three. Um, and he, you know, I think he. Did he end up he ended up going to the pre season drafts and got picked up by Carlton, I think. Anyway, that was kind of the thing that happened, but then we brought in free agency and then it's just it's a lot more like toing and froing with teams and and, and wheeling and dealing and and but it's the rumour side of it now that we've got Twitter and obviously trade radio and the modern stuff, it's the rumour side of it that you know we're we're not even into into the trade period yet and all that stuff and it's already, you know, junior Rioli Declaring he's coming, wants to come to Port Adelaide, and or at a facil- facilitate a deal. The rumours of you know Mitch Georgiadis because he's from WA. Suddenly he's on the table, even though he's going to. As far as I know, he's going to um, the US with Boki for the for the off season. It seems really invested in a, a proper preseason with Port Adelaide this year and and be being a part of everything for next year. So yeah, the rumours are funny in that sense um obviously i understand the reason that that and west coast probably their position probably is to come after a guy like Mitchell Giardis because they're going to use that angle the western australian angle and 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 similar kind of like for like i guess but um yeah it's a it's, you know so we've got junior Rioli. he's declared he wants to be traded you know officially wants to come to port adelaide so that's great let's hope we work a deal there and um i trust in our list management to uh to do the right thing as far as, you know, not over, overpay, um, and find the middle ground. You know, I remember when Fantasia was, you know, Fantasia, when it's come to port, it was, they started with, oh, we'll take butters. And then it eventually finds it's, it's, it's way back to some semblance of reality versus, um, some dickhead, you know, wanting, wanting the world for a player, you know the middle ground is found usually after a little bit of blustering at the start, basically is my point there. Um, so, and you know, junior Rioli's. you know, I know he's the off season, off field issues, but you know, for me, I'm, I'm very much a person that, you know, believes that, um, you know, we should be decriminalized and legalized. So, you know, all that stuff is just a part of the culture, you know, society's issues and not being advanced enough rather than a, a personal issue for me. Um, you know, and he, he didn't handle, he panicked a little bit with the, Drug test and all that stuff, but again, wouldn't have to do it if it was, you know, rightfully legal or anything like that. So that that's um, all that stuff, and you know, he he seems just like a he just wants a place to be comfortable and and play footy, and I think what Port Adelaide can be that, that club for him. So um, happy with that one. Um, you know we've seen Aaron Francis as a as a rumored uh, pickup, and um, God, the forward from Geelong, who I'm forgetting his name right now. But then the other big one, obviously, is Josh Dunkley from the Doggies, um, and it seems to be. Depends which day you wake up as to whether he's favored for Brisbane or the port, and um, I do hope he's favored for port, and then if he does declare his um, intentions to want to be traded to port, then I trust, again, in our list management to um, make the right moves in that front as far as finding the right deal. I do find it interesting. There's a lot of people out there, you know, people on Twitter, these, these don't move the needle, these don't move the needle, these don't move the needle. I wonder if Twitter had been around in two thousand three, two thousand two, when we were picking up guys like Josh Marnie and and you know Damien Hardwick, who was at the end of his career at the time. Josh Marnie, Damien Hardwick, you know Brett Montgomery, you know those guys didn't move the needle back then either. But you know we didn't have Twitter and Facebook and you know and all that stuff to be able to put our thoughts and feelings out there about it. So um, it just is what it was, and they ended up being all parts of a premiership side. Um Dean Brogan, you know, he comes in, having retired from playing basketball and comes in and decides to um play footy. You know, it's just, so many play, so many guys don't move the needle until they do. You know, you're not going to get slammed. And Josh Dunkley does move the needle. He's a fucking fantastic midfielder. Like, yeah, he may not be the, you know, people always, oh, we need a good ball user. In and, you know, he's, you know, he's like, a, he, I don't know. He's a midfielder that can, he, he's an explosive midfielder. He can move the ball he moves the needle for me. Junior Rioli uh, is a small forward and an electric small forward. Those guys aren't going to move the needle in the way that, you know, because people always want, you know, they want the... I don't know what people mean by the... You know, if they're moving the needle or a player that really shakes things up. You know, Junior are they looking for a Dusty Martin or a Christian Petrarca or a Clayton Oliver or a Lockie Neal? Like, what are we looking for here? You know, like, this is the thing with this these, these moves. That, you know, Josh Junkley's a great move if we can get it done. And, um, you know, I know people are like, oh, that the, the eighth pick is going to be on the table. And it's just like, well, and people are going to take it to the draft because you know you're going to get a good player in the draft. And I'm like, well, you don't know. I know we've done pretty well with our drafts of late. You know, we really struck gold with, like, the likes of Butters and and Rosie and, uh, and you know, Dersmer, I think, is going to is you know, an yeah, interesting year this year. But... um I think he's he'll, he'll be fine as well. We've really struck some good gold lately and, you know, obviously Boak back in the day, but then Robbie Gray was pick 55, Westhoff was pick 79 or whatever it was. You know, you're not always struck in gold early and you're sometimes struck in gold late and, you know, people saying, you know, absolutely you've got to take Piquet to the draft because, you know, you, the, the talent there will be worth more than Josh Dunkley. So Josh Dunkley's got six, seven, eight years ahead of him still in AFL footy. He's got a career ahead of him still, um so i'm not saying i want i i i hope our list management can find a way to make it happen without pick eight but i i also think it would be um poor management to not at least consider what pick eight deals can be made and this is just me being what i do which is just middle ground it's like people want to go say it's stupid to even think about using pick eight or it's um ridiculous or whatever and Josh Dunkley's not worth that. It's like no, Josh Dunkley's a fucking fantastic player. Um and if you had a player that was Josh Dunkley available in the draft pick 8 you'd take him. So yeah, you you yeah, and then then you're getting extra years in his career, but then also he may leave in free. He may leave early too and you may not get the same out of him. So you've got a ready-made guy who's had he's gone through the formative years of his career, who's now ready to come. If you could grab that player with a pick eight, and you would—it's so just interesting how people see pick eight because they so—they just seem to think we're going to go in and get the next Connor Rosie at pick eight, and for every next Connor Rosie at pick eight, you could have you know Jack Watts was number one, you know, and not to—I I feel bad using Jack Watts as an example, but you know number one picks or number five picks or number eight picks you know, the Crows are dealing with their issues with how, you know, there's a lot of talk about how the Crows are drafted in the last few years because they've just had the slow development, you know, that some of them have started to come on, which is also the thing that can happen, but it's never just a completely linear thing. Pick eight, if we do the right thing and get the right draft, it could be great, but it could also just be the next um, player that just never pans out, you know. Anthony Bennett in the NBA, we all, well, some of us may not know know his name because he didn't, not not much happened there. Um, so, um, yeah, I just, I just think with all these talks with you know who's moving, it, I, I can't believe that people think that if you could get Josh Dunkley, Aaron Francis, and uh, and Junior Rioli in one off season, and and do a reasonable job of not selling the farm for them, that that doesn't move the needle a little bit. It moves, it does move it. And I don't know cozy Pickett's been rumoured as well. I just, I don't see that one happening this year. But again, I, I, well, I think it's I if you Cosie Pickett and. Junior Rioli in one off season would be insanely good, but I think I think the one that's costing you to pick eight, and I think most people would actually say that's worth it too. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. I guess that's my main point here is uh, the pow- how people see how people rate off season moves is like what like what does move the needle in for me is is my question like what does like is yeah, is it you have to be going in against Dusty Mart like those elite Brownlow level Brownlow possible winning midfielders? Like otherwise you're never going to be happy, and that's the thing with list management is the good list management is finding those players. It's, it's like that money ball thing. It's like finding the you know island Misfit toys from the other team that works for your. That is just you just know will work for your team, and we've done that well. And um, I know people have people have been again they've been going oh Rockliff Watson and, and Motlop. Look at all those players. Then, you know, oh, we bring in players and make them worse. And I'm like, well, Paddy Ryder came in and was a pretty fantastic Lear We brought in Paddy Ryder, Allier Lear and Charlie Dixon just off the top of my head. Three players that have come from another club and come in and been maligned at times, but also be, become All-Australians at Port Adelaide. So we can take players from other teams, turn them into All-Australians at Port Adelaide. And then, yes, you could question what we did with Ryder after that. And, um, you know, and Dixon is maligned unfairly at times. And Aaliyah dropped back a bit this year, but it was uh, to me, it was a bit more of... Well, he had an injury earlier in the year and a little bit of defensive structure as well. Um, but, you know, and Rockcliffe... People forget Rockcliffe actually had a really good... Twin, like That 2020 year, um, when we got to a prelim and almost got to a grand final, Rockcliffe had a good year that year. Motlot was good that year. Rockcliffe just found like it was a bit of finding his spot in the team it was a it kind of matched up it, it was a, a similar time where we weren't exactly using Boca right either so it wasn't exactly a rocklift problem it was a more a management of the player problem so that again that's going to be the thing is like all these players can actually move the needles depending what our coaching does which I know you know don't even start on that front um because that is the thing that is the issue that we're all looking at as well um but uh we've brought in Josh Carr today so that's good um but yeah, it's just it's it's an interesting question to me. That people go start going, oh look at what we do. we've fucked up in our in our acquisitions of late, anyway. And I'm just like, well, no, we haven't. There's been plenty of good ones, and and Finlayson this year is a great great pickup as well. So people seem to focus on the negative of some players that didn't work out. Like, you know, everyone thought Rockliffe would come in, a you know, fantasy pick, and all that stuff. they just expected him to come in, and he actually had an okay time here, just some injury issues and some some structure and finding the right fit issues but you know 2020 good um and motlop again i've always said motlop was a cherry on top player and unfortunately unless we were playing finals level footy which he actually you know he was an incredible player in the um the qualifying final in 2020 and had some good 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 footy in those years you know he was a he was a cherry on top player he doesn't he was a player that was never gonna unfortunately if you're playing bottom mate footy he wasn't gonna exactly find a place in that, uh, be good in that team because you need, he kind of thrives on everyone else around. He's not, you know, Travis Boak makes players around him better. Stephen Motlop doesn't because Stephen Motlop's one of the players that is made better by a player like Travis Boak. And that's not a knock on Stephen Motlop's game. It's just different types of footy there, where they play their footy, outside the lines versus inside lines, all that stuff. So, yeah, Junior Rioli's going to be, if we can bring him in, he's going to be a player that's going to be dependent on, the overall structure of our footy being played well if we're not playing good footy junior rail is probably going to become a scapegoat and i hate that because he's gonna he's not the kind of player he's going to be a kind of player that's going to play he you know he's the he's the he's the ship that's raised by a rate of rising tide whereas you know players like josh Dunkley, i hope do come in and other players that help you know the next stage you know when he bokes and stuff and hopefully he has a good career with boke for a year or two but, uh, you know, they, they, there's different players, you know, horses for courses kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I look at those moves. If we can all get get those ones happen, they're, they're good moves for our club. And um, obviously, then it comes down to coaching and all that stuff, which, as I said, that's the other big news that came, happened today. Josh Carr, um, the showdown king, um, never lost a showdown as a player, um, you know, a great player for our club. And one of my all-time favorites as a young kid. Um, I absolutely love Josh Carr, Um, scored the first goal in our grand final win, Um, first goal of the afternoon, Josh Carr, I fucking loved him, he's such a silky mover, Um, a real, um, from all reports from players that played against him, and with him, one of the biggest motor mouths on the field, you could never shut him up, just an absolute pest, and um, yeah, an incredible player. And a great history report, Adelaide, obviously, after the grand final, he went over to play footy with his brother over at Frio for a few years there with uh, Maddie Carr, but then he came back and uh, finished his career as a player at Port, and then had some, has had some coaching at Port already. Um, but yeah, never lost a showdown as a player, um, it, which is an incredible record, really. Um showdown king, so... But he's back, and um, he's coming in as a... I think he's coming in as a special assistant. I can't really, I've, I've actually... I had it up before, but... Um, yeah. Um, so he's back... Um, as an assistant coach of the club um but it does we have seen the departure of uh brett montgomery and um maddie loken as well so it's an interesting one because i think um i think montgomery's been good and um i think there's probably some coach so i'm not gonna go into it too much but uh yeah he's a uh, i think uh I think Montgomery's been good, and he's he's he went he's he changed roles this year and it didn't quite work. But I don't think he whether it seems like there is the kind of the wording of the club. Um, you know, people have kind of mused about the idea that whether Montgomery is kind of pushed out a little bit. It's like you know, not really a place for you here, but um, which is unfortunate because Montgomery is obviously um, a champion of the club as a, as a player, um, as well as I think he's had a good couple of years as coaching. Obviously, is here for the twenty 2020, twenty 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 one run. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting there's some changes happening but uh yeah I'm not sure I like the idea of Monty going um unfortunately but I am very much in favor of Josh Carr coming back so that's a good move and hopefully hopefully Carr coming in you know he's a he's a strong mind and a strong a strong um leader of as a coach I think so he'll be one that'll um hopefully kind of have his be able to put his impact into the coaching group and um and really kind of you know, whether, whatever's going on in the coach, cause I am critical of what's been going coaching last year just was, was not good. Um, so, um, hopefully his voice can be one of reason and, um, uh, and, and, and test the ideas and, and hopefully find our way back to playing some better footy. So yeah, it's a, it's a, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on and it's going to, and it's going to continue at pace, um, in the off season, uh, as it, as it goes forward. So, yeah um that's about it for this one i've gone on 45 minutes um i didn't really unfortunately get too much time to prepare properly for this one so i've kind of just run off my mind basically for this one as to what i what i want to talk about apart from having a few notes up on the screen here so yeah apologies for that um i'm looking forward to next year and just being um with work and stuff changing next year uh, being able to do this a lot more structurally but um yeah i appreciate you listening as always and Looking forward to being down in Albert tomorrow for our fourth FOW match and hopefully our first win, and um, looking forward to talking about it early next week. So, yeah, cheers. Nothing else to say really for now, apart from going to finish enjoying this beer and count the pair.